Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard weekly on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So a lot of people are holding out hope the Alaska cruise season will still happen. And there's a lot going on behind the scenes to try and make it happen. So in a few moments, we'll get an update on that with the cruise guru, David Yeskel. Plus, we'll travel back in time, so to speak, and chat with travel writer Alona Karemsky, who wrote a piece on the Global Traveler website about her sky-high adventure on the Isle of Skye in Scotland, before the pandemic, of course. And later in the podcast, we'll look ahead to summer and visit with Sundog Tours in Jasper, Alberta, to see what they have to offer for tours in the mountains this summer. So lots to talk about, but first let's begin talking about the Alaska cruise season or the cancellation of the Alaska cruise season. There's a lot going on behind the scenes to try and make it happen this summer. So joining us now to give us an update on what's going on is the cruise guru, David Yeskel. You can find him on Twitter at Cruise Guru, and his website is oceancruise.guru. Hi, David. Hey, Randy. Let's talk about the ongoing saga of the Alaska cruise season or the cancellation of the Alaska cruise season, mainly due to the Canadian government extending their ban on cruise ships uh, to February of 2022. This has opened up a a whole can of worms, hasn't it? This has, and it's, uh, you know, it could signal a death knell for Alaskan cruising in 2021. And, And after a lack of any Alaska season in 2020, uh, this would really be devastating, of course, not only to the cruise lines, but to the communities in southeast Alaska um, and in Canada that, that, that depend on this, you know, seasonal income. We're talking about a lot of jobs and a lot of economic benefit that comes to those communities that really rely on the uh, summer cruise season. But there's a lot of negotiations going on, I understand, behind the scenes. Can you expand on that a little bit for us? Yeah, so, so there's a possible workaround that's being proposed. So, so there have been um, U.S. Senate, two U.S. senators from Alaska have reached out to the Canadian government to ask them to possibly, you know, modify the ban slightly to allow U.S. ships uh, to call at Canadian ports, uh, not only in Alaska cruises, but also for cruises to the Maritimes, right? They're mm-hmm. big affected, too. And um, the, the possible workaround being proposed is allowing the cruise ships to make what are called technical calls. So this would be a port visit in which no crew or passengers were disembarked. The ship tied up for a couple of hours, maybe took on some fuel or supplies, and then went on their way, thus satisfying both the Canadian and the U.S. authorities you know, while permitting the cruise lines to operate their Alaskan itineraries. So mm-hmm. so there's a hope that, that this workaround would be approved because unwinding this, um, the Passenger Vessel Services Act, which is this, you know, relatively obscure 19th century act that, that, that essentially forces non, non-U.S. flagged ships to stop in a foreign port, um, unwinding that act would be very time-consuming and problematic and probably wouldn't happen in time for the Alaska season. Mm-hmm. Well, I understand yeah, the Alaska government has uh, put forward the Alaska Tourism Recovery Act, but uh, as we both kind of know, it, it takes a while for governments to, to pass acts and get things done. By that time, yeah, the season will be um, half over or, or well over. Can you explain a little bit, though, if, I know you, you touched on the Passenger Vessels Services Act. This is the whole problem, though, isn't it? 
This is the whole problem. So this was a is a, a 19th century act that was really passed to protect U.S. passenger shipping um, in the 19th century. Uh, and essentially it forbids any non-U.S. flagged ship, and this is, after all, the majority of cruise lines are re- on ships are registered outside the U.S., mm-hmm. prohibits any non-U.S. flagged cruise line from sailing directly between two U.S. ports. Thus, the necessity of touching a foreign port on an itinerary Say round trip Seattle to Alaska. That's why these ships all call in 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 Victoria to to satisfy that that requirement. And the one way cruises that we see across the Gulf of Alaska from Vancouver to Anchorage, or the reverse, also satisfy that requirement. So um, this has been on the books obviously since the since the late 19th century, and is adhered to by almost all cruise ships. And those and there's only a couple of ships that are actually only one ship that's registered in the U.S. and that's the Pride of America, and that sails intra-Hawaiian itinerary. Mm-hmm. But pretty much every other ship is registered um, under a foreign flag: Bahamas, Malta, um, Panama and thus subject to the Passenger Vessel Services Act. So so this relatively obscure law uh, has, is kind of throwing a wrench into the whole Alaska season because uh, of Canada's uh, cruise ship ban. Yeah, because without it, and if they do get an amendment to, you know, say for this year, can we just bypass the uh, Vessels uh, Act and uh, sail around in uh, around Canadian waters up to Alaska from, say, Seattle or from wherever. That's one scenario. Uh, the other scenario is, of course, what you mentioned, stopping just, an, uh, just at a port for a few hours, not letting passengers out. Uh, both help Alaska um, tour operators and the cruise lines, but they don't help the Canadian ports at all, do they? No, they don't. So if it's just a technical call, obviously they don't help the Canadian ports. So... So that's why I think everyone's hoping for a, um, you know, for a, uh, just some kind of proviso that allows the ships to make their calls in Canada, if, if, if even if brief. And, and you know, we were just talking about the Victoria call that most uh, cruise lines make uh, round trip uh, Seattle, and that's a short call, that's a few hours, but it does pump a lot of money into the local economy in Victoria, even for those few hours. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so the benefits are uh, accrue to both countries, obviously, and, and there's a reason for, for the workaround. If it's approved, uh, it would be a big benefit. So every, everybody's hoping for that, some kind of an accommodation that lets these cruises go ahead. But, but as of yesterday, Princess and Holland America, who are the two major players in Alaska cruises, as you know, um, pretty much canceled all of their round-trip Seattle Alaska itineraries through the end of June. So um, those were closer in, and um, that that essentially takes care of almost half of the Alaska mm-hmm. season. So if there's some kind of a workaround, something approved in the next few weeks, possibly, you know, maybe those could go put be put back on the schedule. But for now, those are off the schedule. We'll see what happens. Uh, David Yeskel is the cruise guru. You can find him on Twitter at cruise guru. His website is oceancruise.guru. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat with you, David. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Same here.
Well, if you want to get some ideas on where to travel post-pandemic, it might be a good idea to read a few travel stories written pre-pandemic. And one example comes from travel writer and host of My Compass TV, Alona Karemski, titled Sky High Adventure, referring to the Isle of Skye in Scotland. So here now to share her Sky High Adventure on the Isle of Skye in Scotland is Alona Karemski. Hi, Alona. Hello, Randy. It's so nice to talk to you. I feel like I haven't talked to you in in ever. (laughs) It feels like forever. And now when I hear your voice, I feel like we spoke yesterday and I'm happy (laughs) we're doing this. Let's talk about uh, one of your articles, Sky High Adventure, and it's Sky with an E, referring to the Isle of Sky in Scotland on the uh, Global Traveler website, Global Traveler USA. Uh, dot com. Uh, this is pre-COVID, so we're going to go back into time before all this COVID stuff hit and when any, everyone could travel. When did you take this trip? Well, this was part of a Scotland trip I did a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, we, we have amazing things to chat about on it. And I wanted to have all the listeners know that it is definitely an island that is worth visiting. Cool. So let's uh, do some basics here. Where is the Isle of Skye? Well, if you know where Glasgow or Edinburgh is, you just take a drive up to the northwest side, and it's going to be just off of the clip of the mainland, and they have uh, a, a beautiful bridge now that uh, connects to the island, so uh, people can go that way or just take a simple ferry ride. Nice. And, and now, is this a trip you did on your own or was with a, a tour company? How did yeah, this come together? I went with uh, my other half, and we, um, we wanted to explore off-the-beaten-path places, and Sky has it and more. Uh, what's really interesting is that um, for Canadians, if you know what Vancouver is like with the, the weather being rainy and, and lots of nice uh, florals in the spring-summer, like rhododendrons in the spring, and if you you know what Newfoundland's like, like the rocky, dramatic slopes and the, and the huge crevasses that kind of dip into the sea. That's what sky was to me when I first saw it. And I thought, my God, this is a place of beauty and there's certainly hidden secrets everywhere. Oh, well, share some of those secrets. What, what was some of the things that you found? Well, hello, there's only like 10,000 people <laughs> living there and there's like 100,000 sheep. So you're surrounded by sheep. Uh, sheep as you take these drives along narrow roads that just bend off to the edge of the crevasses at times and then you're going through uh, just like places that are these um, moors that have uh, green and then it goes into rocky areas again. So you're out in the middle of nowhere and and that is a, a secret that is evident as soon as you get into the island. Uh, I would think, uh, anyways, for me, uh, visiting Scotland would be about uh, visiting a pub and, and just getting to know some of the locals. How easy was that? You're right. Uh, we have people that just kind of hang on on places that you wouldn't have expected, like uh, people just uh, along the roadside that uh, if you have problems with vehicles, like transmission issues uh, and no cell reception, <laughs> uh, somebody someplace is going to be there and uh, very friendly people. Uh, the Gaelic is strong, so uh, you're going to have some fun tongue twisters and uh, it's just 
just a, a, a place where pubs are there, but I think it's more important to get to know locals that are hanging out by the adventure spots mm-hmm. and uh, hanging out by castles. Well, that would be another one of my dreams to go visit a Scottish castle. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, go to Skye because there's two clans there. Uh, People with backgrounds like the Donalds, McDonalds, and the McLeods, these are two huge clans that call Sky home. So there's been clan warfare happening there for centuries. And, and today the um, castles are open to the public. And I so highly encourage everyone to go have a visit at both of them mm-hmm. and understand the history behind it. Scotland's actually the oldest um, clan is there on the Isle of Skye. So imagine the most powerful, oldest clan lives there. So that's (laughs) got to tell you something. Well, I I made a note here, lots of history. Are there a lot of tourists there? Uh, It's it's sometimes more touristy in the summer. And when it is, then uh, I encourage you to go earlier in the day to visit the highlights because you won't have um, any crowds. So, uh, in in fact, I wanted to share with you that... um, You've got to understand the the humor of of Scots and and understand the words that these people have to represent (laughs) places. So if I say things like um, three bragging rights are under 12 miles, I mean, when you look at where we are in Canada, when you drive 12 miles, where do we see? Probably not much, but in the Isle of Skye, on the east side, uh, if you go to Portree, which is their capital, uh, you just take a 12-mile drive, um, and you you meet this wonderful rock formation, which is called Old Man's Store. And then you you go up a little further, and then where do you hit? You call it, it's called Brother's Point. And then a little further north from there is Kilt Rock. So you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> Old Man Store, Brother's Point, Kilt Rock. It's, it's got a lot of um, big boy pant wearing times. And strap those wellies on. And don't, don't be afraid of the midges. And just get out there and hit the, hit the island. Yeah, yeah. So the, the reason I point out those three places is Brother's Point is where they recently found the oldest dinosaur fossils uh, in Scotland, and they're claiming also in the world. So uh, it's it's like the stomping ground of dinosaurs. And if they love to do the Cayley back in the day, you're you're going to definitely love doing the Cayley up there. Mm-hmm. How big is it? And is it easy to get around? I, I understand through your article. Again, you can find it on globaltravelerusa.com. Uh, it's probably best just to rent your own car. Yeah, exactly. Do self-drives. But if you're not comfortable driving, they do have tours, and you can hook into that at the tourist center down there in Portree. And, uh, yeah, but driving is definitely recommended. Uh, It's uh, great for Canadians. You just use your own driver's license. You um, have to get comfortable with the left side of driving, and which is the wrong side for us. Mm-hmm. And then um, also just vehicles uh, have these narrow roads that go into, they bleed into the countryside. So it's uh, sometimes you got to, you know, go to veer to the other side of the, well, it's just one road, but you got to <laughs> kind of stop and let the other vehicle go. But no traffic in those areas. Which is very helpful. Uh, can you stay yeah. in one of the castles? 
Yeah, well, they they do have uh, visits, actually. In one of the castles, they've got it all kitted out for people to overnight in. And uh, Isle of Skye was famous, too, as a hunting lodge um, central. So they have um, known for their deer. And so a lot of these old hunting lodges have been transformed into boutique properties. And Flora MacDonald is a very, very significant um, historic figure who um, helped Bonnie Prince Charlie escape during the Battle of Culloden and her home uh, where she had a residence is now a hotel so you can actually stay overnight where Flora MacDonald lived so that's really a key highlight too Um, and back to the size of the island Mm -hmm. it's only 50 miles long so you don't you don't feel like um, you know you you can do it in an hour or two but you have to spend a few days there you definitely need that time. I was going to say, yeah, you probably it's probably not a day trip kind of a thing because uh, you yeah. would miss so much uh, by, uh, you know, not spending some time there. Exactly, yeah. So don't, don't, uh, don't worry about the time either. And the food is phenomenal. Uh, they have uh, restaurants that, I kid you not, are Michelin star on par. In fact, one of the restaurants was just rated again as uh, Michelin star, and the other ones are up there as Michelin plates. So you're looking at fresh fish, um, like sustainable cooking, and just uh, made from chefs that are so creative up there. So again, like just the idea of going to a spot that's remote, full of history. You've got the five-star dining atmosphere, the hunting lodges that are boutique properties. You feel like you're a laird, don't you? <laughs> and, and the castles. <laughs> don't forget the castles. Yeah, and the castles. <laughs> you can... Yeah. Uh, you can read Alona's uh, article, Sky High Adventure, that's sky with an E, uh, globaltravelerusa.com is where you can find it, and Alona Karemsky is a travel writer and producer of My Compass TV. It's always fun to chat, Alona. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, if one of your ambitions this summer is to head to the mountains and enjoy the great outdoors, you might want to take advantage of the many tours offered by Sundog Tours, located in Jasper, Alberta. So joining us now to tell us more about Sundog Tours is the owner, Paul Hardy. Their website is sundogtours.com. Hi, Paul. Hi, Randy. Tell me the story of Sundog Tours and how it came to be. We've been in business now for just over 20 years. We started here in Jasper. Um, Our whole philosophy is small, personalized group tours. We also do scheduled transportation services. Um, We go between here in Edmonton, here in Banff. We have a whole menu of daily sightseeing activities and uh, uh, from soft adventure to a bit more, to a bit more, um, uh, let's say, I don't want to say hardcore, but a bit more adrenaline pumping activities mm-hmm. as well. So we try to do a whole range of things for, for a wide range of people. Well, I am looking on your website, sundogtours.com. Yeah, you have uh, transportation services, summer tours, winter tours, vacation <laughs> packages. Um, you know, it's an overused phrase, but uh, people like to say uh, you have something for everyone. It seems like you do. Well, we do. And that's kind of what we try to do. And um, as things have, you know, evolved over this past year, 
we really have tried to pull it all together with uh, with offering more in terms of vacation packages. We're based here in Jasper, so we feel like we can give the best advice um, for what a particular groups or individuals are looking for and, um, you know, try to make the most of their time here. Time is valuable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we pull it all together and do what we can for everybody. Tell me how you had to adjust uh, your tours uh, due to COVID and some of the strict restrictions. Well, we've, you know, of course, it's been a bit of a moving target and safety has been probably the most important thing in making sure we're working within the criteria set by AHS, making sure that our guests feel comfortable all the time, making sure that we're following protocols. But again, like I said, we are a small group operator and our whole philosophy has been small, personalized programs. So the fact that, you know, right now the um, you can do up to 10 people in an outdoor setting, and that really kind of fits with our model to begin with. Like every, everything we do is really quite individualized. Mm-hmm. So small groups and really personalized experiences, what we're all about. So it really hasn't changed much in terms of how we operate and uh, our philosophy for what we want to offer to guests. We're coming to the end of the winter season, into the shoulder season, and looking forward to summer. How has the winter season been, by the way? You know, well, the winter season has actually been quite good. We've been, you know, thank God for Albertans and that they've discovered what we've got up here in Jasper. And that's been really nice in that we've, you know, Edmonton has always considered Jasper its backyard, mm-hmm. but we've really been seeing Albertans from farther reaches of the of the province, lots of Calgarians, lots of people from southern Alberta. And, you know, Jasper, Jasper is a good, pretty good place to social distance to begin with. We've got wide open spaces. It's uh, activities like our Moline Canyon Ice Walk have been, it's such a unique activity to Jasper and well, really unique to the province, unique to, to Canada. And people coming up here and discovering things like that has been rewarding, and it's been, it's been probably busier than what we expected. We were, weren't really sure what to expect going mm. into the winter time. There's just so many unknowns. But I would say we've been pleasantly surprised as a company and as a community, actually. And like I said, thank God for, for Albertans, and we sure appreciate the support. Well, let's talk about some of the summer tours that you have planned. Are there uh, particular tours that sell out faster than others? Again, we do a whole range of things, and we've had to, we've changed it. Typically, our market is is quite international, mm-hmm. and transportation services is a big part of what we offer. Um, and as I said, we still do scheduled transportation from Calgary to Jasper, from Edmonton to Jasper, but we have changed our focus to a bit more more hiking and um more adventurous activities here that um, try to get people to places and experience things that they couldn't do on their own. Um, we also book a lot of whitewater rafting. We do. We work closely with the Jasper Sky Tram. Um, we go to Moline Lake every day. Um, but we do a lot of tailor-made hiking programs that will take people into places that they just wouldn't know about or wouldn't be able to get to on their own. Mm-hmm. And I think people will leave feeling like they've experienced things. If they go with a guided company that they just wouldn't have had the time, wouldn't have had the knowledge to get to on their own. It's a real value added for people coming here and, uh, rather than trying to do everything independently. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's probably, well, in, in my mind anyways, one of the challenges you might have with um, people that are from the province is they have that mindset, well, I, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm doing, but you do miss out on uh, a lot of things if you have a, a guide uh, taking you to these places, right? 
Well, that's right. You know, people will, you know, like we say, there's been a lot of first-timers to Jasper. And we just think rather than them spending them time trying to figure out what the best, you know, what may be best for them, contact us. Um, tell us a bit about what your what your interests are, what your likes are, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to get out of your holiday. Whether you're coming with a, are you coming with a family? Are you coming with friends? We can customize really anything to any to any group or or family that's really going to make the most of their time here. Try to really figure out what their passions are, and then make sure that we can tailor programs to. Um, to uh, to make sure we fulfill what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm, I'm a big uh, railway buff, and I know you have some r- rail tours. Uh, yeah. Jasper's a rail town, so tell me some of your uh, rail tr- tours that you have, what they entail. Jasper is a railway town, and one thing that Jasper has here that um, that no other mountain town has is the Via Rail service and the Via Rail Trans Canada service, but also the Via Rail Skina service that goes. Um, between here and Prince George and Prince Rupert. And what we've done, about 15 years ago, we created um, a half-day rail tour program because there's lots of people like you that really want to experience the train but don't have the time to do a multi-day trip or a whole rail vacation. So we created packages that give people the chance to experience um, about two hours on the train going through a spectacular area of the province, uh, leaving Jasper and going past Mount Robson, which is the tallest peak in the Canadian Rockies. Um, on the Skeena train, which is a shorter version of the of the Via Rail Canadian. And they're going to be on the train for about two hours, as I said, going through spectacular scenery, going through Mount Rob, going past Mount Robson. We pick them up at a little town called Dunster, just a quaint little town with an old general store. And then we do a sightseeing trip back to Jasper that stops at all the places that they couldn't on the way out. So it takes about five hours in total. And they've they see some incredible scenery. They experience the nostalgia of the train, the, the the relaxation of the train. You know, they really get the whole train experience without having to spend several days. It's mm-hmm. a great. It's a great family family trip. Uh, we make several photo stops on the way back. We stop for pictures at Mount Robson. We have a chance to stretch our legs and go see Rear Guard Falls. It really it pulls together a lot of the elements that people are looking for in a in a in a vacation mm-hmm. um, in half a day. Sounds great. Um, what do people, like what's included in some of your, uh, like uh, your canoe adventures or whitewater rafting experiences? Do you supply all the equipment needed? All of the equipment needed. So to speak of whitewater rafting, and there's some fantastic rafting here in Jasper, whether you're looking for kind of uh, introductory rafting, family rafting, or something really kind of more heart pounding, we have it all here. Uh, on either the Athabasca River or the Sunwapta River. And trips can be anywhere from two hours in length to five hours in length uh, in total, including that's round-trip transportation. Uh, we can include pick-up and drop-off at your hotel. Um, if you're, We have float trips that don't require you to wear a wetsuit, or we have um, smaller, raft, smaller boat raft trips where you're going to be wearing a wetsuit, helmets, you're going to be required to paddle. Everything completely safe, mind you. Hmm. Just a really nice range for for whatever you're looking for in a rafting in a rafting trip. Uh, anything I've missed, you might want to add. Well, canoeing. Um, you mentioned canoeing, and in Jasper, one of the things about Jasper is even in the middle of summertime in July and August, when the town is full and it's busy, we're in such a nice wide valley in. 
five minutes in any direction, you can really get away from the town and feel like you've got the whole park to yourself. And that's where you can find some of the most spectacular lakes um, where we offer canoe tours, which again can be anywhere from an hour up to three or four hours. We include, we can include a nice little picnic lunch or even a barbecue lunch or dinner. And it gets you out into some stunning areas just a great way to spend an afternoon, morning, or evening. Mm-hmm. Paul Hardy is the owner of Sundog Tours. Lots of information on their tours and their services on their website, sundogtours.com. Uh, here's to a great summer, Paul. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.